I wanted to give you guys some updates uh, since I promised that last Thursday. One, one of them is I have an appointment for a parcel of land here in LA. So I'm supposed to follow up with her this week. I sent her a handwritten card just to stay in front of her. Didn't want to be too in front during election week. It's tricky for everyone. Sure. The other sure. one, through one of the letters that were sent out along with a voicemail I left, one of those leads said, hey, look, thank you so much. You're actually the only person who hit, uh, who contacted me more than once. Uh, I don't specifically need your help because I'm going to stay in the house, but I will give you the number for someone else. So it looks like I have an appointment for that. So I wanted to share that win with you guys. Is that somebody else in probate or they were just impressed with your offer that they want to give you that referral? So the gentleman that I contacted is someone from the probate leads that you guys sent out. I contacted him. He said that one of his employees is going through probate and said, look, you should reach out whenever you can. So even though it was Saturday at 8 p.m., I said, you know what? If he told me to call him a call right now, and sure enough, yeah, I I got him on the phone and he said, thank you so much for contacting me. I I explained a little bit. He said there was another realtor involved, but I asked, did you sign anything? And oh, actually, let me step back. He said, there's a trust in this, so there's no probate needed. Therefore, let's just list the house. And he said, I'm going to have the realtor do this, that. And I said, have you signed everything with the realtor already? So I don't know the realtor. I said, I think perhaps since it's a lot of money, maybe don't you owe it to yourself to at least get a second opinion just to make sure, you know, that you're going with the, with a specialist. And it got me the appointment. I think I got lucky with that. I definitely got lucky with that. But I think the luck was created by doing the calls that you guys help so much with. I feel like I'm slowly getting better and I'm forcing myself to do it every day, four to six. So I do want to. Fed, you and I have had several conversations. I don't think you're slowly getting better. You're rapidly improving. So good job. Thank you and welcome. I didn't know you were on the call yet. (laughs) I made it in a a couple of minutes late. All good, all good. I want to go back to something. One of the biggest, I would say the biggest failure point in this niche is people just not getting their calls made. And that's something that you were courageous enough to disclose to everybody on previous calls, and you briefly touched on it. But tell us now what your new discipline is, how you affect your own behavior, like when you don't want to do it, what has helped you build that discipline, and has it become a habit yet, or does it still take willpower? still does take some willpower, but I noticed that in general, if I do, essentially, if I respect the time block, the way an appointment would be respected, the time for that appointment, I notice that I finish that day or that session feeling like I actually did what I was supposed to do. And therefore, Mm -hmm. even if I don't get an appointment that day, or perhaps it ends up being all voicemails or just people saying, hey, look, it's the wrong number, we don't need you. I still at least feel like I'm one step closer. I just look at it as, you know, the book, The Compound Effect, that extra effort every day compounds into a result. So that's the way I'm looking at it. Even if sometimes when you get voicemail or just people saying no, I think it's one no closer to your next yes. But one of Sometimes, one of your results that's yeah. motive, and I'm speaking for you. But one, of, it sounds like one of the results that that you look at is a sense of accomplishment, and that gives you your dopamine hit to do it the next day. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Let's talk about your let's talk about yeah. your blocks because we discussed a, a morning block of eight to ten a.m. and for, and an evening mm-hmm. block of four to six. It sounds like you may just mm-hmm. be doing the evenings. What? How are your blocks set up? Which days? Which hours? And how sacred are they when other fires are burning? So, so I'm doing every day eight to ten. I'm doing expired because I feel like they, they tend to be a little more aggressive. And I was doing eight to 10 and four to six. Four to six was probate. However, when I'm having a good day where I'm getting into a momentum, where I feel like I'm, it's just, the momentum's really good. Sometimes I'll extend that, that calling time from eight to even 11 or 12, and I'll just ride it out. If I'm feeling like the, the, the momentum's there, I just continue it, but I convert it I switch it to probate. That way I'm also testing the probate from 10 to 12. And the results actually haven't been bad at all. I've gotten just as many pickups during the 10 to 12 that I have between four to six. You know, if I could jump in real quick, you, Chad, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. One thing you said before I forget that is so important. In my previous coaching career, we used to tell people, a lot of people, prospecting is written in their schedule with pencil. It's something like, ah, if I have time, I'll make my calls. We used to say you're, the most important appointment you have in your day is your appointment to prospect. That You should look at that. You should look at that as part of your schedule, that two-hour time block. If you had a listing appointment at that time, it wouldn't be optional. And it really sounds like you're doing that. So great job. Yeah, I, I think I thank you. I, I think I have to make sure that I stay as consistent, as consistent as possible since I remember Chad was saying, how often am I doing it? For the most part, I would say that out of a five-day work week, I'm able to consistently at least do it three days a week, but I'm trying to get it to five. Sometimes I have four, but for the most part, I'll probably average out to three. So okay. slowly. And are you your hand dialing fed or are you using a dialer? I am expired. I have a dialer, probates. I'm hand dialing. Okay. What, what Do you know what your call pace is? Like how many per hour if you're calling all the numbers, having conversations, including your contacts and conversations? How many per hour are you getting through? For probate, I'm getting about, I would say, 8 to 12 calls per hour, given that there's okay. usually about four to six numbers each, sometimes wrong numbers, and sometimes conversations are usually about between a minute and two if they give me time, unless they just say no way and are rude. Okay. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but we find like an average call pace is about 12 leads per hour, not numbers, just so everybody's clear. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. Sorry, I didn't mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't for you. That was just... Some people are like, 12 numbers an hour? What are you doing? But it's if you call all four or five numbers, you have conversations and you leave voicemails, you could expect about a 12, 12 lead per hour call pace. Man, I appreciate you taking all the questions and sharing with everybody. I think this is a... Typically, we just role play here, but really, it's a prospecting call, right? Like, it's... I think everybody can learn from your journey and how you had to insist that you actually do the work. And I think that's the step that a lot of people never get to. So thank you for sharing everything and answering all of our questions. Oh, my pleasure. May I ask a question? It's about a book that you brought up. Go ahead. Uh, so I went ahead and read the, the book you suggested called Real Estate on Your Terms by Chris Prefontaine. And I actually really liked all the things that they suggested about how to structure just ways to either uh, acquire real estate without any money down or just helping 
buyers who maybe don't qualify credit-wise that you could just put them in a lease to purchase. Mm -hmm. They do offer a program, like almost like a coaching program. And I was curious to know, I, I did notice though that it is pretty pricey. But then again, obviously, if the ROI is good, then... You know, it's kind of the probate. If you don't do the work, then obviously it's expensive. But if you put in the work, the return is worth all the investment. We're not an affiliate. I just suggest Chris and his QLP course on its own merit. So uh, a few of our customers have been through that course. Grant Cox is one. Grant's really active in our Facebook group. And I mm-hmm. forgive me if you're listening. I can't remember the other gentleman's name. But anyways, a good friend of mine who's a Bigger Pockets podcast contributor, he introduced me to it. I started yeah. introducing you guys to it. I think that relative to the value that you get for his course, it's very inexpensive mm-hmm. because my very first lease option deal ended up being a probate. It was the father passed away, the mother survived, but she had a massive stroke and her daughter had a power of attorney. So we were able to do that one as a, even though it was a probate, we were able to do it as a lease with option to purchase. I made $8,000 in four days. So if you learn one thing from that course, one deal Keep in mind, I'm in a market with a median price of 140 at the time. So I, I averaged about $6,500 per transaction, and they were the most grateful clients I've ever had on both sides of the transaction. Sellers who were told they couldn't sell and buyers who were told they couldn't buy found a way to, to get the emotional outcome they wanted, that feeling of home ownership and not having to move their kids and finally being in that school system. So for the, the skill set that you'll gain from taking a creative finance training like that, 1200 bucks is a drop in a bucket, man. Like easily. Oh, I didn't know it was 1200 The only thing I had seen on their website, which is why I was saying I, I, I didn't look relatively cheap is that the only thing I had seen was one was 5,000, one was 15 and one was 35. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not, Chris and I have been trying to connect. I'm not, I don't know their, all their products are pricing, but the course yeah. is, is only about 12, 12, 1300 bucks. And it's worth every penny. Did you say it was- it's actually QLS fed. It's quantum leap system is what he calls it. So look up the QLS training from Chris Prefontaine. Okay. So what I had a question. How how many times are you trying to call through your list every month? I usually go once, I'll be completely honest with you. When and I write down who I'm supposed to call back to then call okay. the following month. But I also have the letters go out. Yep. Okay. Once a month is fine. Are you obviously it all depends on bandwidth, at least once a month. When you have a conversation, you said that your conversations are normally like a minute and a half, two minutes. What are you what are you hearing? Are you getting hung up with them? Any any objections that you're running into more than others? Strangely enough, the most conversations for some reason are just people saying they don't need any help. Then I ask them the usual uh, home war- vacant home warranty policy. They say most of the people are living in the house and are not doing anything with it. And they have attorneys. Yeah, that, that's the main thing that I'm witnessing. Then if, if I have a good conversation with someone, I do follow it up with a handwritten card because usually during the call, right after the call, I'll probably jot down a few bullet points, main points about where me and that prospect connected. And then I'll write the handwritten card where I'll thank the prospect and then I'll say, I appreciate the fact that you, and I'll put some of those points so that they saw I was listening. And yeah. then handwritten. I just follow. Yes. 
Handwritten notes are, are really powerful after the call, very powerful. What is it in your intro that leads them to say they have an attorney or they don't need anything, they have it all handled? What's the uh, what's your intro sound like? So usually I'll just say I'm trying to reach someone and then I'll say I was following up with you to see if you received a letter I sent you. Do you recall receiving a letter from my, myself? And then I repeat the name and they said, uh, I'm not sure we received a lot of letters. What is this about? And then I usually go into, I have a team of people here in Los Angeles who specialize in helping families going through probate. As a part of that, we go to the county clerk's office down at the probate court, and we see which families need help. We try to reach out as soon as possible. Since I'm like freestyling here while I'm like pacing around, yeah. but that's somewhere <laughs> along good. those lines. And, okay. and they just say, oh, the attorney's taking care of everything. And I said, good, I'm so happy you have an attorney. That makes me really happy. As a matter of fact, we work hand in hand with the attorney. We're an extension to the attorney. We pick up where the attorney leads off. And I continue with as the attorney handles the legal part of the probate process, which is about 25%, which unfortunately leaves you, the personal representative, stuck with the remaining 75%. And we we found that a lot of families have felt extremely overwhelmed with this process and often end up unwillingly uh, losing a lot of money to you. So we try to reach out as soon as possible to make sure that we can help you whichever way possible. Yeah. And then I go into gonna... repairs, keeping, landscaping, all that stuff. Cool. No, you're good. I'm going to tee Chad up for um, him jumping in and throwing his his style in. But, but I'm going to okay. kind of tell you that a lot of times those objections are okay. the best way to pivot into real estate conversation, especially if you can become very non-threatening to them and work mm-hmm. on rapport. So one of the things that I do is immediately, hey, you know what, we, we, we're really good. We got it all handled. That's great. Let me give you my name and number. And if there's anything that changes at all, could you give me a call? Do you have a pen handy? And I don't care. I'm assuming, and those of you that have had calls with me know that I say, I'm assuming that they're not writing my name and number down. It's not about them actually taking my number down and calling me later. It's about disarming. And then they do it, and I go, okay, call me if anything changes. By the way, before I let you go, were you guys leaning toward holding on to the real estate, or was that something you and your family were thinking about keeping? And immediately, that answer, because the guard is dropped, that answer is generally pretty honest. Now, it could be, honestly, we don't know yet. That really could be the case. I like to channel my inner Tony Robbins if they say that they don't know yet and say, okay, yeah, perfect. But if you did know, which way do you think you'd be leaning? I might soften it a little bit, but I'll generally, if they don't know, I'll try to ask it. I'll rephrase that question, which will frequently get a more honest response. Because in reality, if somebody is five or six months out from selling a house, we have a long time to build aggressively build rapport. We just need to know who we're building rapport with. What are they thinking about doing? We're not forcing them into selling, but we want to position ourselves with enough credibility in their mind to be able to have influence over how they make that decision. And then the last thing that that I usually say on my way off the phone, whether it's 15 more minutes or 30 more seconds, is I say, look, I'm going to follow up with you in about three weeks. And I want you to know that when you answer the phone, I'm setting them up to answer. When you answer the phone, it's perfectly fine for you to say, Bruce, 
nothing's changed, we don't need anything right now, but we'll call you when we do. But on the other side, on the flip side, if something's changed and you guys need either help with repairs and maintenance or clean out or it's time to sell the house, I want you to tell me because that's where I shine and that's where I can help get you guys the most money. Does that sound fair? I want that commitment from them that they're going to answer the phone and that they're going to say one of those two things when they answer. And at least that yeah, way they're not, so when they down. see my number pop up, yeah, when they see my number pop up next time, they're not going, oh, gosh, <laughs> again, nothing's changed. Yeah. Let's just ignore it. Because <laughs> I already told them if yeah. nothing's changed, to just answer the phone and say nothing's changed and that I would respect it. I just need I them to answer. Okay. All right, That's Chad, up. you've got a different you've got a different approach. Throw in t- and and give me your two cents. I do, and people have been hearing it for five years on these calls. I don't really want to distract <laughs> from the advice you just gave because I think it was really sound advice. I love your closing. I think that's something different that we haven't covered on these calls. So rather than distract from that, I would say it's all sound advice. You guys have all heard the way I like your disruption piece is a little more gentle than mine. I'm a little more abrupt, but I have the personality to stand up to that. And everybody's heard that several times. I think it's especially for people who hear my language and be like, oh, hell, I could never say that. I think it, that's what's really great about having other people here. Like you can hear how others do it. I'm going to say good job and great advice. And I don't need to weigh in. All right. Sounds Fit good. And yeah. Jim, you want to weigh in? I was just going to add, it reminds me of a conversation we had in our last mastermind call. People are reluctant. They love to buy, but they hate to be sold. You need a suit and you go shopping. You walk into the door, the store and the clerk says, can I help you? The first thing you say is, no, I'm just looking. Well, that, that's just a natural defense. And we talked about it on the last call. What you did there, Bruce, is perfect. It's two new ways of disarming them by giving them permission to not say yes, it, it, whether it's now or in future conversations. That is so powerful. It does disarm them. It does take the pressure off. And I, I think it makes you stand out because everybody else is either, most people that calling them fall into one of two categories. They're very wimpy. Okay, I'll call you later. Or they close too hard and they piss the people off. So this is a really nice middle-of-the-road approach that disarms them, and it's two very creative ways, like I, like Chad said, that I haven't heard before. So, no, I agree. I think it's a great uh, way to approach it. Good job. Think Does that help? If Does about, that help? If you think about the objections you're getting and think about what they mean and then use that objection as an opportunity to pivot, disarm, right. and pivot. That's the thing. You could do that with any number of objections that you're going to get. It's not necessarily always overcoming the objection, and sometimes Listen, if you have a really strong personality and you have a really good answer and a way of overcoming that objection, by all means, overcome it. But if the objection is stopping you in your tracks, praise it, acknowledge it, and then pivot. Before I let you go, were you guys leaning toward holding on to the real estate or were you thinking about selling it? And that's really what most of us want to know. Now, there are all kinds of ways that we can help them during the selling process or during the preparation process, but we want to know if they're going to sell. And so using that objection, if you can't overcome it, if you can't handle it, use it to get to the real estate is going to make a lot of people a lot of money. Perfect. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you, Coach Fed. Thank you for uh, for helping us today. We apologize for scheduling this call on a holiday. I guess we didn't notice that on our calendar. And I always thought these holidays were on Monday. What are they doing having one in the middle of the week? But wrote <laughs> us all off schedule. I guess we're going to cut it short today, guys. We, Fed, we really appreciate your participation. Bruce Thank and you. Chad, anything else you want, you want to add before we go? Nope, I'm good. I don't. All right. I want to thank you all for being here. Although it was a small crowd, I hope, I think it was a good exchange there. We chat often says every one of these calls, we tend to get one or two nuggets that we've never heard before. And I think we got a couple real good ones there from, from our coaches and from Fed. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Fed, for participating. I want to challenge each of you that took the time to show up today. Take some of the ideas, some of the language, some of the techniques you heard on this call. Go out and put them into practice and come back tomorrow and every Thursday and share them with the group. Make it a great day, guys. We'll talk to you at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Stay productive. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon.